0: I've got good news for you. I see Pastor Andrew sitting there. He got out for good behavior (laughs) a little early. And that good behavior is God's doing. It's God's doing. Well, I'm sorry, it's me again. Did you bring your swords with you? Stand with me to honor the reading of the word, or as the Brits would say, be upstanding. We're in Psalm 19, and those of you that brought your swords with you, you might want to kind of keep them open for a while, okay? Psalm 19. Are you ready? May the Lord be with you. Listen for the word of God. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, And night to night declares knowledge, there is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, a canopy if you will, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, if I had time, but I don't, we've changed, we've changed the word here. From the name of God as being El, to the name of God being Yahweh now. Or however you say that. We don't know. This four-letter word in Hebrew that is understood to be so sacred, none of us are worthy to pronounce it. You can always tell it in your Bibles, by the way, because when that four-letter word for God is there, it's always in capital letters, L-O-R-D. It's that name that God answers to Moses when he says, who shall I say sent me? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from the insolent or the vain thoughts. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Can I pray with you before we talk about it? Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence realizing that we have not just shown up, you have drawn us to this place. There is a sense in which the welcome of your spirit has already been felt. In the testimonies, in the songs, in everything, there there has been a sense of your presence, and we give you thanks, Lord. And I pray that as we continue to worship by attending to your word, that you would enlighten our hearts through it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Simone started out reading Psalm 18. I thought, "Oh, I hope you're not going to preach my sermon next, next one, because that's all I know is this one." But this is a marvelous psalm. It Reflects more than any other psalm I know the beauty and splendor of the Hebrew poetry that's found in the Psalter. C.S. Lewis wrote that I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter. And one of the greatest lyrics in the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. Well, then just take a look. Look around. Creation is marvelous. It's miraculous. I I never get tired of when we go to the farm where there's not a lot of light that's hiding the skies. To just look up and look at the stars and everything it is amazing sometimes it's almost like being a kid again remember when I used to lay back in the grass after we'd worked all day long lay back in the grass there at Uncle M. E's house, E.mmy, that's his name, doesn't stand for anything him, it was me and his son, my cousin J.C. that's his name, doesn't stand for anything We would work the day and then sometimes we'd go to the lake and jump in and swim for a little bit and then come back and we'd find ourselves laying back in the grass and just looking up at the sky and just waiting for a shooting star to come streaking across the sky and just marvel at that. To watch as a baby is born, to watch as a child takes its first steps, utters its first word, Dada. I'm pretty sure my boy said dada before they said mama. It really wasn't easy to understand, but I knew it's what he was saying. (laughs) To watch children, to look at the human body, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not hard to conclude that there's a creator to all of this. As a matter of fact, it's pretty hard not to. It tells us of God. But it's a voice that has no words. As the psalmist puts it here, it is actually a wordless speech that the heavens declare the glory of God. It may speak of God, majestic, wise, powerful, worthy of praise. But it tells us so little about this God and what God is like. It leaves us wondering... What is this God like? Marvelous? Sure, creation is. Informative? Not so much. Then in verse 4, the sun is introduced in the thought. thought. Dramatic, magnificent, and yet obedient. If indeed this first part of the psalm is not original with this psalmist, but actually is borrowed from other pagan religion, it is changed. Because in those religions, the marvelous sun is something to be worshipped. But the psalmist corrals that, uh, that, that celestial body and reinterprets it because it is the servant of God. It is the God who ordains this, the God who directs this. Perhaps this portion of the psalm did have an or- earlier origin. But here the psalmist worships the God who commands the sun rather than worshiping the sun. So God is glorified in his world and in his creation. But it's a, it's a wordless voice. But he's also glorified for the psalmist and the law that God gives us. Because the word comes to us and points us toward a God and tells us what the God is like. Two things Immanuel Kant said fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe. The starry heavens above and the law within, the moral law within. But here the psalmist transcends these two themes by lifting higher with reverence the divine law, the Torah, if you will. It is greater because it is given by the covenant of God whose name is Yahweh. We know his name. In the giving of the law, God has provided a gift, a marvelous gift, a glorious gift, even grander in its ways. What you notice as we read through that, maybe not, He talks about the law. He uses different nouns for it. He says, the law, the decrees, the precepts, the commandments, the fear of the Lord, the ordinances, all these different words to, to talk about this law that God has given. But notice the adjectives as well. They're sure, they're perfect, they're right, they're clear, they're pure, they're true. But then notice the verbs. What does this law do? It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. And it is more to be desired than gold. Sweeter than honey. This law of God. We don't think of the law that way, generally. We think of laws like we think of income tax. It really doesn't do much for us. It doesn't really bless our hearts. We would rather do without them if we could. But you see, our lives were meant to show forth the glory of God and to show forth that glory as we walk day by day in fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another. We are made in God's image. We are called upon to be guided by God's ways. To avoid transgressions that pulls us to the side. Even the great transgression. To walk in wisdom as we learn to understand and apply the ways of God. Micah puts it this way, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? It is hard. Is this working? Did I remember to turn it on? I can't see. Am I okay? You got to turn it (laughs) on. What does that mean? thought I had. I'll do it again. Is that better? Somebody say something to me, would you? Let me know. No? Go back the way it was. Maybe I didn't have it far enough. All right, settle down. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be the person that God wants us to be is impossible on our own. Our own thoughts, our own desires can put us out of out of balance. When I was a kid, we lived over on Hopeland Street in the west side of Dayton. It wasn't exactly a wonderful area. And mom and dad had bought me a little bike, a little 20-inch bike and I was trying to learn how to ride that rascal. Things weren't going too well. Dad kept taking the training wheels off and I kept falling. And I would complain and not get on the bike again. So he worked out an arrangement that was agreeable to me. And that is he took off one training wheel. And let me go with it. It was an old neighborhood. We had a sidewalk, but the sidewalk wasn't real even. It had lots of bucks and things in it. And I'm in my little huffy bike, pedaling my little way along. And rather than depend upon the balance that was intended with that bicycle, I decided to lay over to the right side as I was going down the sidewalk. It was an old neighborhood, there were lots of trees. And as I'm going along, I'm, I'm doing just fine. I had been getting along with that. Dad keeps saying, why don't you take the other training wheel off? No. I'm not riding that bike like that. And so I'm riding down the sidewalk like somebody with some kind of a cervical or some kind of a, a back problem. Laying over to the side and trying my best. And it works out just fine until I was going right across the Shively's property. And when I was going across that, Joey was there, and I, I, I hollered at Joey as I went by. But I didn't, re, I didn't pay attention, but that was a place where a tree root had grown underneath the sidewalk and had bucked that sidewalk up on the right side. And as I'm pedaling, and I'm really burning it by that time, because I had made it almost a quarter of the way down the block. I was up full speed by that time. My little chubby legs just churning away at that pedal. We got about, I got right in front of Shriveli's house. I hollered at Joe, and about that time, that training wheel hit that rise in the the cement. And all of a sudden, I was up like this. And slowly, I started going to this side. I keep pedaling. I don't know why. I'm pedaling. And as I'm pedaling and making my way along, I'm watching as the trees are coming by me until finally I'm over far enough that I say to myself, that one's got me. And I smack into that tree. I enjoyed that thoroughly. But I finally realized that if I'm ever going to get this right, I've got to get rid of the training wheel. And I finally learned to ride a bicycle. Stay with me. If you're going to serve God, there has to be a single-mindedness about what you're responding to. The other things that we try to depend on will fail us and get us in trouble in spite of how much they seem to help us at times. The law, of God, the law of God, the Torah, comes to us to give us some directions about how we ought to keep balance in our life. How to be a child of God in a world like we live in. How to stay faithful when everyone else is falling to the side. How to keep confidence even when we hit places that would rob us of our confidence or would try to. The law of God... And you and I being made in the image of God. By walking with him and walking faithfully with him. The glory of God shows through us. They see in us the power of God. The help of God. It is a marvelous, marvelous thing. But verse 12 haunts me. Let me read it again. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. What about those transgressions? Those faults that come in our lives that we didn't intend. Those things that were done in ignorance, those, those problems in our life that, that, that happen and we didn't even know they were happening. We didn't understand where they were coming from. What of those kinds of problems? The psalmist prays for them to be cleared from their record. I mean, is there forgiveness for those sins if I don't even know what to confess? if I don't even realize that, that I've slipped up and there are, there are sensitive souls in a place like this who because of their concern that maybe something like that would trip them up and that they would they would lose their salvation. Should we be concerned about that? Those sins that are hidden faults those errors that weren't intended weren't a choice but errors nonetheless now be careful here i'm not talking about those sins that we commit and we did so intentionally that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the things that happen that we're not sure why that happened, or things that we did that we now realize we shouldn't have done—that is there? What is there for us in that kind of thing? Well, it seems that that idea is echoed in the New Testament in First John, chapter one, verses six and seven. Can we show that? No. Yeah. Go five through seven. That's good enough. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness, no, not any at all. It's a very emphatic statement there. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are yet walking in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. Do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light. It is that which brings us into fellowship. Why? Because none of us can do this on our own. We really need each other to walk in the light. We really need each other's help. I mentioned it last week. There are plenty of times in my life where my faith has been weak and Martha had to carry me along. There are plenty of places in my life where I don't understand how to respond and how to act with wisdom, and I need the help of others to show me what it means to be wise in the ways of God. Those that have been walking in the Lord with the Lord a long time have a lot to, sh- have a lot to share with folks like us if we just listen. They've been through so much already. They've seen the ways of God and what God has done, and they give encouragement. They are important to us if we allow them to be. Well, we need each other as we learn to walk wisely in the counsels of God. It becomes the reason why we gather, the foundation of our fellowship. Now, in spite of what Nazarenes think, the word fellowship in the original Greek does not mean potluck. The word fellowship means that there are at least two folk or two groups that have come together and mutually invested into a shared project. A fellowship. When I was in grad school, there was a situation where I was receiving money from them for teaching a class there. It was a fellowship. We were mutually invested in the process of education. Mutually invested. And shared the project. In your life, trying to go it on alone is going to be a problem. You weren't meant to do this on your own. We have fellowship one with another, but stay with it. And the blood of Jesus Christ for who? For those who are walking in the light. And what God has revealed. Who are walking according to his laws. Who are walking in wisdom. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. From all sin. The 11th commandment is, thou shalt not sweat it. Your life will never be perfect. But that doesn't excuse us from giving God our all. It doesn't excuse us for keeping this training wheel on one side of the bicycle. but To be thoroughly committed to walking according to the wisdom of God and walking that together. But if that's what we're doing, His blood cleanses from all sin. I had a fella in my church a long time ago. But this was a major problem for him. Every time we had an altar call, he was there praying. He was so afraid that maybe something he had said or some little decision he made or Maybe even his failure to encourage somebody would damn his soul forever. Some people were upset because he's at the altar all the time. Didn't bother me. I'd rather have a church full of people doing that. I really would. Intent on not letting anything get in the way between them and God and God's ways. But if you're walking in wisdom, if you're walking according to the light God has given you, and you're doing that in the fellowship of other believers where they can help you maybe see things that you didn't see in yourself that can be corrected. If we are walking the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Even even, that sin, How's the psalmist say? The hidden faults. May God be glorified in you this week. We're going to sing a song. It's a song we already sang. Let this be the closing, and then I'll give benediction, okay? Let's stand together, can we, as we sing.